0: Welcome to Fresh Cut Grass. Light conversation with turf grass professionals from across the turf industry with your hosts, Jeff Fowler and Tanner Delval. Hello and welcome to this episode of Fresh Cut Grass. My name is Jeff Fowler, and I'm one of your co-hosts. As always with me, I have Tanner Del Val. Tanner, welcome, and how are you today? Oh, doing well. Just praying for rain. Yeah, you are. Um, I actually, as we talked about before the show, um, just as um, I woke up this morning and let the dog out, it started to rain, gloriously start to rain. Um, Because, boy, this last week has been tough here in Pennsylvania, hasn't it? Oh, Um, yeah. It's like, would... it's like we missed spring, right? We went right from winter. It was snowing on mother's day. And then we went to 90 degree temperatures.
1: Yeah. It was in the upper nineties yesterday. And uh, I would pay good money right now for some rain. And I actually just pulled up and looked and it's been uh, I think 14 days since we've had any rainfall of any kind uh, at least in my location here in East, East central Pennsylvania.
0: Yeah. Well, I don't, I, I will, I didn't pull that up, but, Um, we, we were starting to look that droughty. I mean, our, our yards were starting to look like August. Um, they were really starting to get dry and starting to have that kind of dull, dull appearance to them. But, um, we had a little bit of saving grace and it looks like the extended forecast for here in Western Pennsylvania, um, brings us a little bit more rain throughout the next seven days. So let's hope that's the case. Absolutely. So, so our special guest today um, comes to us from Little League Incorporated um, up in um, South Williamsport, Pennsylvania, Rob Guthrie. Rob is the head groundskeeper um, and sports turf manager for Little League Baseball. Rob, welcome to the show. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so um, I know a whole lot about you because I've spent a lot of time um, – walking fields with you, but why don't you tell our listeners, um, a little bit about how you got to Williamsport, uh, uh, not by car on the, and what roads you took, but your path to get to Williamsport, um, as a sports turf manager. Sure. I, uh, started off in golf.
2: I was about 18 years old. Um, I'm from state college, Pennsylvania, originally, um, started working in golf, enjoyed it. And, uh, Went to Penn State for, for turf grass. So I, uh, I have a bachelor's degree in turf grass science from Penn State University. Um, after that, I went back into golf. Um, I was a assistant superintendent um, at two different courses in central Pennsylvania for about six years. Um, I've always had a passion for baseball, so when I saw the
0: uh, low league job open up, I uh, jumped on it. And, up the Williamsport as as I like to say he saw the light and came to the other side Um, nothing against the golf business but um, Rob it's been real fun um, in the last I don't know how long have you been there now it it seems like 20 years but um, I've been through a number of, of grounds or a number of sports turf managers in Williamsport that I've worked with how I don't even remember how when did you come? So 2015. So I just hit six years. <laughs> yeah. So it's, That's it's been, belief. it's been close to 20 years then. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so we brought Rob onto the show for, for a couple of reasons. First to, to kind of um, get our listeners to um, think about little league fields and little league baseball and all that. But we also, we just learned this past week that, um, that there is going to be a 2021 Little League World Series. Um, it's not going to be like traditional Little League World Series. But, Rob, do you want to tell us what, what we learned about this year's 2021 series?
2: Sure. So the big announcement is we're having a tournament season this year. Um, it's going to be 16 U.S. teams this year. Normally, it's eight U.S. teams, eight international teams. But this year, all U.S. teams. Um, really, things are still kind of up in the air. But as far as we know, there's not going to be any you know, fans besides parents allowed in, um, some volunteers in. And, um, but we're playing baseball, so that's, that's the big thing.
0: Yeah, so baseball will be different at the complex, that's for sure.
1: So since, um, I guess, since this pandemic, let's say pre-pandemic, what other things are this, is this field used for before we get into the Little League talk? Are there other events that non-pandemic years that this field is used for?
2: So a normal year starts off uh, April. We have um, umpire training clinics. I think there's three of them. Um, we also have the World Series umpires that are going to be there for that year come in uh, fly in and they do a a clinic with them, play live games for them. Uh, we have baseball factory training events. We have, uh, local teams that come in and play the fields. And then, um, a typical year this recently changed, but we would have five weeks of summer camp, um, in July prior to the series. So we run summer camp up about a week prior to the series. um, then I'd flip the fields, get them ready for TV. So they're used throughout pretty much the, the whole year. Um, even a little bit after the series, we'd have a couple events um, into
1: October. Are there tours that go on there? Like that folks run for anything like that of any kind?
2: Yeah, so we have um, the museum does tours. I know they have some buses that stop in or um, they they organize a few tours during the year.
1: Okay. So how many fields are there there? You know, a lot of folks may, may think of Lomity, but, you know, you've got, what, volunteer, and then you've got some practice fields, or I guess maybe they're, they're also used for games. Do you want to elaborate a little on that?
2: Sure. So we have the two main fields, which is Lomity Stadium and Volunteer Stadium, um, and then we also have three additional Little League practice fields on uh, premise, premises, and um, for the series, we also use two additional Um, fields across the street in a local park for, for practice. So there'd be a total of, of seven going
1: during the world series. Wow. And do you have to manage, you manage all of those fields or what about those ones across the street? Are they, you manage those as well? Not all year. We kind of pick it up mid-year. We'll go in and usually
2: around June, just clean them up, edge them. And then we'll start mowing them through the series. So
1: June through, The end of August. So you have, there's a lot of fields that you have. So you must have like a a very big crew that you use to take care of all this stuff throughout the year, right?
2: (laughs) Well, it depends on the time of year. Um, It's a a unique position. I start the year off um, by myself. Um, I'm the only full-time employee dedicated to the fields, to maintaining the fields. Um, And then normally I get two summer interns uh, that start in May and hopefully can stay through the series um, and I rely on them, you know, pretty heavily throughout, throughout the summer. Um, and then three or four days before the first games are played for the world series, we have, uh, 15 to 20 ground crew volunteers that come in to help, help maintain the series. Um, then right after that, I go back to a crew of one, <laughs> mm-hmm. it, it's, uh, it, it depends on the time of year, how many people are here.
1: Yeah. Well, I guess if all you do is mow grass, it's not that bad, right? That's all you have yeah, to do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. That's all I do. No, I mean, there's, you know, I coming from golf and my golf background, I, I came in here, and I kind of maintain the two stadium fields, kind of like golf greens, you know, like anything and everything they need. Um, you know, I spray them every two weeks. We airify them regularly. We try to do it once a month through the summer. Um, and, you know, try to keep them up and maintain them in, in series condition, I would say. Keep them right about, you know, almost at TV level going through the whole year.
1: Wow. And I know, you know, so Rob is obviously our guest and, you know, he's the the... the... The boots on the ground there every day, but Jeff, you've had a lot of experience with the Little League World Series as well. You know, maybe our maybe our all of our listeners don't understand that, but do you want to maybe give a few seconds or a few minutes to talk about what you've how you've been involved?
0: Yeah, um, 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 this will be actually I think my twenty fourth Little League World Series that's coming up um, in in twenty twenty one. I coordinate the volunteer crew that Rob talked about. Um, Trying to keep those 14 to 15 people um, flowing throughout the course of the two weeks of the series um, and keep them fed and clothed and um, happy and healthy and all those things um, to help Rob out. And then um, throughout the year um, with my role at Penn State, um, I also, um, I won't say consult, but I, I... I stop in and visit Rob two or three times a year. We walk the fields. We talk about his fertilizer program. We talk about his pesticide program. We talk about, um, things that have changed things that are going to change, um, those kinds of things. So, um, it's been a really, really nice relationship that I've been able to have with little league baseball. I, I think if I count them all, I think Rob makes the fifth, um, groundskeeper, sports turf manager that I've worked with at Little Lake. Um, so I, I've been around there a couple of days.
1: It's been kind of like a, a family tradition with you folks in the Fowlers. Is that right?
0: Yes. Yeah. So dad, dad started it through CAFMO. And that, that is the one thing that, that I, I will say is this is all through, through the Keystone athletic field managers organization. Um, dad did it for a number of years Um, Before he decided that he no longer needed to handwrite the letters to invite people and um, keep the address list um, on a notepad next to his computer and and handwrite out the envelopes and and all that stuff. Um, Technology caught up. And um, I don't know, I think this is probably I think I probably started doing that. I don't know, 18, 19 years ago for him. Um, but he had done it previously since, um, since the anniversary, the 50th anniversary of the World Series is when CAFMO had had started helping um, Little League. Um, they wanted to have the premier field um, for the World Series. So they asked CAFMO if we would help. My dad had just retired from Penn State. And um, lo and behold, here we are, <laughs> 25 years later and a couple of generations later um little league can't get rid of us
1: <laughs> well that's that's definitely that's fantastic so and i guess the last thing on there and I, i'm sure rob you could probably speak to this uh, a, as well but trying to manage all of the different volunteers is probably a massive task and it's so good to have someone like jeff to be able to kind of coordinate all of that um and I guess you know I have helped out on the grounds crew up there before and it's amazing and for our listeners to know that the folks that volunteer for this aren't like just local people I mean these people come from all over the country and maybe even
0: internationally um, you, I don't know if the other of you want to speak to that um, we've not we've not had international yet um, but we've had from um, let's see California Texas Colorado Um Arizona, North and South Carolina, Florida, um, up into the Northeast. Most of the states have been represented over the course of time. Um, it's kind of a rotating position. I get lots of requests for people who want to come in um, and we rotate um, through, through volunteers so that everybody gets an opportunity to come in and be a part of um, what we like to call Disney World for baseball fans. Um, that's, that's really what little league world series is all about is making the best experience that we possibly can, um, for people and, and managing, um, managing the volunteers is, is, is actually pretty easy, um, because they're all professionals. They're all people that have been in the industry for, for more than, um, you know, in most years, you know, most people are more than 10 years. And, um, if Rob says to us, um, I really need somebody to go mow the practice fields. Um, we've got we've got ten people who could hop on a mower at any given time and go do it, um, and not and not even have to give instruction on, you know, how to do how how to turn the mower on. Um, so it, it it is a group of professionals that come together from from all over the country that um, makes it makes it a lot easier than just randomly picking up people off the street. And I guess like the last part of this discussion
1: about uh, the volunteer work and, and help, how long of a time period are folks these volunteers that come in? You know, is it like a, a two week period, three week period?
0: Well, so I, I'm, sorry, Rob, I'll just keep going on the volunteers. Eventually, Tanner's going to stop talking about this, and we'll 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 get back to the fields, but. Um, All of this
1: is going to basically play into what Rob's going to because all of the different tasks that have to happen during the series on all of these fields. And this is kind of the, he said he's a one man band. So we have to kind
0: of talk about this. Absolutely. I, I, um, so, um, what was the question? No. Um, so, so the, the volunteers that come in, as I said, are all professionals. Um, they, um, are all willing to do whatever needs to be done to keep things on track? Um, what, what was your question, Tanner? Uh, how long the, the volunteers? Oh, the time yeah, period? that's right. How long do you want to stay? Um, so I do have a core of people, um, a core group of volunteers that stay for for the whole time, seventeen days. Um, they, they stay for the whole time. That's not what. That's not the norm. That's about. Um, eight or nine guys that stay the whole time. Um, including myself, we, we get there before the series starts and we leave as soon as somebody else play ball on Sunday of the finals. Um, but typically, um, I have people that, that come for as little as Tanner, you've come up for a day. Um, and I've had people that stay four or five days, um, a couple of nights, um, you know, in a normal year, this is the time of the year that I'm, um, I have a limited number of beds that I can put people in. So um, I, I'm, I'm juggling people and when they leave and when they're coming so that we make sure we have a place for them to stay. Um, but, um, you know, we, we normally, you know, normally three or four days to get the flavor um, for for what goes on is, is a typical volunteer experience. But um, oh, I've had
1: The whole gamut from when the first volunteer comes to the last one comes, maybe it's not the same people, but when you're there, to when you leave is, is
0: what a three week period? No, it's a two week period. Two weeks. Okay. Yeah. I I normally um, in a normal year um, would arrive on a Sunday afternoon um, and would leave two Sundays from, from the day I arrive. I have to remind myself how to drive a car after I leave because all I've driven for two weeks is a little golf cart or a buggy. (laughs) So now
1: that we've, we've talked about the labor discussion, it's time to talk to our guest here, you know, Rob, obviously. (laughs) So sorry, Rob, but uh, you know, you, you obviously, you know, you set the stage for all of this and I guess, you know, from a fertilization standpoint, you know, this is a common practice that we're all pretty much doing on our turf you know, all these fields, do all of these fields get treated the same or do you treat them differently?
2: Well, the two stadiums I treat the same. I mean, I have a a core plan for the stadiums and a plan for our practice fields. Um, The same amount of maintenance doesn't go into our practice fields that goes into the stadiums. My main focus would be our two stadiums that are on TV. But, um, you know, I use a bunch of different types of fertilizer and fungicides. Um, I use some duration out there on the Um, the stadiums. um, They get about five, five and a half pounds of
1: nitrogen per year. Is any of that soluble?
2: Yeah. So I do um, say four or five granular applications a year to the stadiums. um, And then I spray them every 14 days with fungicides, liquid fertilizer, growth regulator, um, insecticide, anything they may
1: need. Sure. Sure. So, What's your biggest pest issue? Um, We'll say maybe it's, I think I know the answer to this, but um, what's your biggest kind of problem that you are always tackling on the field as far from a pest standpoint?
2: Well, recently I've been pretty focused on managing POA, Um, trying to get rid of any POA out there. Um, I've been spraying Trimit, a growth regulator, along with Prima every two weeks, um, to try to control POA. Um, we had a pretty good problem with it about three years ago or so. And, you know, we had a lot of patches out there on, um, out in the outfield where the position players were standing. Um, And I transitioned to, well, I changed some of my maintenance practices. Um, I'm trim it as a growth regulator that POA doesn't like trim it. Um, I try to aerify at different times of the year to promote the, the bluegrass um, following the series at, you know, it ends pretty much the end of August. So as as soon as I can get out there and, and poke holes, um, get them aerified, um, get the sand out on them, and then I'm I'm spraying them with Barricade, which is a pre-emergent um, in the fall to, you know, get any germinating Poa.
1: So, so, you said that you're, you're pulling cores. Are you, and you mentioned putting sand down. So, is this a sand capped field or are you trying to create a sand cap or are you pulling the cores? Are you collecting those cores or?
2: Well, so they're, they're native soil fields with a sand cap, I would say. Um, they have sand channel drainage cut into them. Um, I'm picking up the cores with a sweeper and then top dressing with sand. Um, so, I, I can't drag the cores in because. I might log my drain lines, Yep, so, um, picking them up, putting fresh sand down.
1: These fields are, are the both stadiums mm-hmm. irrigated as well?
2: Yes. Yep. They have full irrigation. Um, actually just got some new Toro controls, which is a nice control, uh, full computer controls. Um, so I can control them at home. I have soil moisture meters out in each field so I can, you know, watch the, amount of moisture in them and and just really kind of fine-tune them so and I think that really helped me too as far as managing poa is you know watching the moisture I can let them dry down Um, I'm not taking a guess of when to water Um, so uh, I let them dry down more than I ever really did when I first got here and I'm just kind of guessing hey I think it's you know dry it's time to water now I'm really paying attention to the moisture levels and um, letting them dry down before
0: I, I water them it, Rob, I was looking through some pictures after my last visit there. Um, I don't know, probably a month ago now, but um, I was looking at pictures from the past, and you have really, in the last, you know, 365 days, really, um, with no play and and no um, no events on the field, you've really made a. a, a, a a big impact on the amount of POA. I mean, I was, like I say, looking at those pictures, I didn't realize how much there was in that outfield until I saw those pictures. I mean, there's virtually none now um, compared to a year ago where there was, I won't say a significant amount, but there was, there was more than most of us would like to see on newer sod. Right. For sure. I mean, I think just
2: the seed bank in general had a lot of poa seeds in them and you know we were seeing a lot germinate in the fall and and come up and and, in areas specifically um and the field sat idle you know for over well over a year now um so since last march we didn't have any events last year um so i was able to do some things that i normally wouldn't wouldn't do at specific times so i really tried to focus on getting the poa out as much as I could. And, um, through and, growth and that, regulator and, you know, really watching the moisture, I think it,
0: it really and off. And your strategy on, when getting through that, um, you know, like you say, without play last year, um, you know, one of the things that people have recommended is get on a, get on a program and stay on it. Don't let it scare you. Um, um you know, through the, through, you know, international television, um, where, where we've been the last, you know, the last five years, when we've been attempting to control this POA, um, you know, we got kind of scared and we'd pull it off so that it didn't turn white or it wasn't off colored, um, you know, before the series so that we could green that stuff up um, consistently. Um, And then, you know, because it was, it was scary. I mean, when you hit it with that, when you spray it, I mean, it, it goes, it goes pretty nasty color. Um, and we were we've been afraid to to keep on stay on that program through the series because um, we didn't want to answer the phone and say yeah well that's that's our that's our spray program that's turning the grass that color. So I, I think that I think that the if the pandemic had no other um, positives to it, um, we've been able to n- nail the poa there in Williamsport um, to get rid of it. So so what else? Um, what else does your typical summer look like that, um, you know, you have a lot of games through camp and special events. Um, talk about, you know, most people when they turn on the series, they think, oh, that those fields haven't been played on. Um, you know, no wonder they look so good. But, I mean, you have a really small window between the time camp was over until the time the series started to, to get those things ready for television talk to us a little bit about what you've done, um, to, to get them TV ready.
2: Yeah. Well, like you said, I mean, they're, they're used all year. Um, so they see play throughout the year. And the big thing was camp. Um, you know, we had camp leading right up to the series. And I think there was a seven to eight day gap between camp and the practices starting for the series. So, um, Basically I'd have seven days to kind of go through everything, get everything edged, um, do any repair work as far as sod goes. Excuse me, I'm just watching. Sorry. Um, yeah, so following camp um, I'd have seven days to go through the fields and do any repair work as far as wear areas, put any sod down, put the mowing patterns in the fields, um, I'd aerify the fields between camp and um, the series, um, edge everything, repairing the mounds and plates. We're also laser grading in-house now. So I, I'm laser grading the infields in-house. Um, I don't know if that was a smart move on my part to do that, or not, but just more things to do. But, you know, I have those seven days. I basically touch everything on there, you know, everything on the fields, um, put down any last sprays, um, get them ready for TV. So then we have the volunteers come in, um, do a couple last minute, uh, projects and, and things just get everything buttoned up and, and go right into, into play.
1: So, so during the series, okay. So we get to the series, you know, you have it all looking great and then you get all this play, you know, now it is, you know, smaller kids. It's not NFL play, but it's still a lot of play that, go, that's getting put on these fields what things need to be done i guess on a daily or even in between basis obviously you know you do some of it but you have volunteers that help and do other things what are the things that occur like drag the field you know maybe water the field or water the infield or what what kind of things i know when i was up there you know sometimes you probably lose some turf in front of the mounds and you might have to reside some of these areas yep so managing
2: where um Lama sees 20 games, 20 televised games during the series, and volunteer sees 10. Um, so I'm managing where I'm watching what's going on, making sure everything's safe. Safety is the big, big thing, you know. Um, and we're doing normal game prep during the day, um, you know, fixing the mound of plate, watering the skin, adding conditioner. We might edge a couple times through the week. Um, but you know, there are times where typically towards the end of the tournament, where we're cutting out worn areas, we're resodding in front of the mound, maybe around the plate. Um, I'm spraying during the series. Um, we'll aerify. I'll actually put the aerifier out there and in, in the real compacted areas. Um, the heavily foot trafficked areas will bayonet time. Um, so, really, we're, I mean, we're doing a lot kind of behind the scenes. It's not just Uh, raking the dirt putting the lines down watering the field Um, it's it's you know maintenance goes on as usual
1: so then here's a question do you have to work directly with any coaches ever or is there almost an intermediary between there um I'm just kind of curious, you know, a lot of times with, you know, folks in school districts and stuff, they have a, a relationship with the athletic manager, but you have these different coaches. They don't know you, you don't know them, but I guess, is there ever, ever like conversations that need to occur between a team or a coach? And I guess, how about issues with the international teams? You know, they, you know, maybe I could just imagine you probably have, you've been there long enough that you get kids out there doing something stupid in the field. Uh,
2: yeah, I really don't have too much interaction with the coaches. Um, We have people from our operations department that mainly deal with them. And I usually just go straight to, you know, to them. Um, But we've had issues, you know, in the past where people are maybe complaining about the mounds too hard or this and that. And really we just kind of, we'll maintain it the same for everybody. We don't make accommodations specifically for one player or team. Um, We try to make it fair for everybody. So the same maintenance goes into the, the, you know, the field every time to make it, um, level playing field for everybody.
1: So have you ever had an instance thinking about little league and going back to when I was in little league, but looking at some of these fields and do you ever get a kid that goes out there and wants to dig right and out in the mound, just start digging all that out right there. And then what do you do in that situation? (laughs) That's
2: well, that's our biggest complaint that we get is issues with the mound and it, it, it stems from their cleats. So they're wearing rubber cleats. Um, And we're using mound clay out there. So depending on the TV schedule, you know, we may have our tarps off the majority of the day. So we're losing moisture. Um, And, you know, we had kids that try to dig into it and can't and maybe a little bit too hard. And I try to manage that as we're prepping for the game. I'm always looking at the clay. I want it to be a little bit soft, to be honest with you, so they can dig into it. Um, you don't want anything overly hard. But that is something we run into. You, you see kids kicking at you know, the front of the rubber trying to dig in. So I'm, I'm actually watching that uh, before every game, making sure it's a little soft. They always tell the guys leave it soft <laughs> <Leave it alone laughs> so they can dig in.
1: I can imagine, though, like I I know some of the some some people and coaches will like I've seen people yell at people like, don't even think about digging into that after they do it. And (laughs) I guess you kind of let the kids do whatever they'd like to do. Well, it's funny, you know, they
2: you don't know what kind of field they, you know, they play on at home or how it's maintained. You know, sometimes these kids come in from different countries and they've never seen anything like like the fields here. So it's really cool to see the reaction and, you know, when they first see it and stuff and the international teams treat everything with, you know, really good respect and are pretty, pretty good to everything. Um, but yeah, I mean, you get some requests. Um, we do what we can and reason and, and just try to maintain it the same for everybody really.
1: Well, yeah. And it's like, you know, like you said, it's always managing where and uh, what is it like 95% of the game is played on the skinned areas. So a lot of what you do is not even grass relate. Well, I wouldn't say a lot, but there's a, a good portion of what you do that is not grass related. It's more skinned areas. The same thing we just talked about with the mounds probably happens at the plate. You know, you get kids that they put their hand up and they're, they're digging and digging and digging into the, into the you know with their their cleat. Obviously, probably the right hand batter's box more than the left, but um, all of those things are. It's just uh, it's interesting to see because you have so many games in such a small amount of time. Sure, and that goes back to the volunteer crew. I mean, Jeff does
2: a really good job bringing guys in that know what's going on already. So, you know, most of them don't need really any instruction on kind (laughs) of how to go about things, but, you know, I throw my two cents in, they kind of know how I like to maintain things. Um, But yeah, you're right. A a lot of the game is played on, on the dirt. Um, And it is funny because I was a golf guy for so long. Um, I'm kind of a turf guy in general Um, and then I came in and I had to learn the whole infield aspect of it, the managing the dirt, the water, how to do the clay, you know, all that. And that was a a learning experience in itself for me coming in and taking this job. So I, I like to think I did a pretty good job learning over the last couple of years. And I think I got a pretty good handle of it.
1: Yeah. Well, you're still there, right? (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Still here.
0: Tanner, we could do an entire show, um, of fresh cut grass on stories, um, from coaches and, um, players and announcers, um, who talk about the mound at Little Lake. We could do an entire – we could probably do a four-part series on, <laughs> on what people have said about the mound. Uh, the, the thing to remember is that they're they're not using metal spikes either. Um, they're using molded plastic spikes on their feet. Um, so, so digging in, um, even just getting penetration into the clay on the mound is – is much different than it is at, at the at the next levels where they have metal nails on their feet.
1: Yeah. So so speaking of that, you know, you talked a little bit about putting, you know, into what you said, Jeff, about moisture and not being able to dig in. But what do you do at the other side when you have a rain? You know, who makes that call when you have, you know, you don't I assume you don't have a tarp that covers the entire field, like every inch of the field, or, or do you?
2: No, so we have infield tarps. Um, yeah, we'll watch the weather throughout the day, um, and that goes back to our operations staff. They they mainly make the call when to put the tarp out there. Is when they're playing, you know, when there's a game going on, they're making the call to pull a tarp. Um, other times, leading up, you know, that's kind of on us if we think we need to pull the tarp, we'll pull the tarp. Um, I know we had the record number of tarp pulls a couple of years ago. What was that, Jeff? Do you remember?
0: So 30 something way too many. <laughs> that's a number that I'd like to forget.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh,
2: yeah. So we have typical infield tarps that cover the, you know, the infield, the plate, the mound, the, all the dirt. Um, and then that's comes back into why the fields have full
0: drainage systems into them. So back out there as, as soon as possible. But, but Tanner, that that's a um, that's, that's a really good point because I think, unlike um, a, lot of, a lot of baseball at the next levels, um, we have a really, really good working relationship with that operations staff. Um, they, they, they consult with us. Um, they ask us our opinions on, you know, how much water can they take, um, you know, how, and I know they do that at the next levels, but um, they're also really quick to, to, for the safety of the kids, um, hey, let's put this tarp on. It's going to rain. We know it's going to rain. Let's put it on. Let's protect the field so that coming out the other side, you guys don't have to, um, you know, go bonkers trying to make them safe um, once you pull that tarp off. So um, the, the operations crews have really been good over the over the years to, to work with. They've
1: And I have to imagine that the implementation of it, you said, is there, the, the drainage system that's there probably really helps a lot. You know, to get a lot of that water off of there. And I assume the field has a crown to it, uh, some kind of a slope to get to get that surface water to run off where where it can or get to those slit trenches.
2: Yeah. So I mean, they have the full drainage system. I think they're spaced, they're spaced pretty tight, six, seven feet apart. Um, and then it is crowned, um, and all the water gets pushed to the the warning tracks. Um once it hits the track, that's where the big drains are underneath. And it it dissipates pretty quickly.
1: Yeah. Hey, I got a question here. I just, just popped into my mind. You always see it on ESPN, the hill out there and people sliding down the hill and kids. And I wonder about like, what happens there? You know, do you have to manage that to make it look nice? I mean, what, you know what I mean?
2: Well, so I personally don't manage it. Um, we have a landscaper on staff. Um, his name's Charlie. He takes care of the Hill. That's kind of his, his baby. Um, he's out there, you know, right after the series, he's putting fresh topsoil on all the, you know, the dips from kids sliding down and leveling it out and reseeding it and strawing it and growing it back in every year. I mean, it is something that really takes a beating, um, and all the foot traffic up there just from you sitting on it too. So, um, Yeah, he he watches that pretty closely. He's he's putting down seed every September and and growing it back in and actually had him start using some of that um, that regenerating ryegrass on there to try to help with some of the wear. Um, But yeah, he's uh, he's always out there, you know maintaining it
1: (laughs) it's just one of those sites that you see on on television you know a lot of times and i think sometimes when it rains it gets slick and keep people slide i remember one time it was like mud and i'm just like oh man i wouldn't want to have to deal with that
0: this year i think there's going to be cardboard people sliding down the hill on cardboard
1: (laughs) (laughs) oh man well bringing it bringing it back down to the grass level real quick you know for the for the for the listeners what types of grasses do you have and at what height do you cut them and do you use a reel mower? Okay, so the stadiums are um,
2: Kentucky bluegrass. Um, they're different blends between the two stadiums, but they're maintained at the same height of, of one inch and I use a riding reel mower in the outfield and they walk behind uh, reel mower in the infields. So yeah, they're cut down. I try to shape them down to an inch and maintain them right
0: there all year okay great and you keep them at that one inch the whole year long they don't they don't you don't fluctuate the height um, throughout the year
2: nope yeah I just keep them right at one inch I, I didn't really see any benefit of playing with the height too much I just keep it right at one inch and try to keep it trimmed down um, you know keep it at that condition
1: all year And you, you don't overseed with rye then? No, I try not to.
2: I actually haven't since I've been here.
1: Um, good.
2: And I think the program, you know, held up pretty well. They get pretty beat up following the series. We do a lot of sod repair with them. I will seed with bluegrass and grow sections back in the majority of it's repaired with sod that we have. We have two nurseries on site that I pull from, um, one for each stadium because of the different blends, but, um, yeah. They get mainly repaired with sod, a little bit of seed work.
1: So now yeah, I'll say one, one more question here is what would you say your biggest issue overall that you deal with um, is uh, on the fields, you know, for someone that doesn't work there or hasn't volunteered there, but it may it's, maybe it's something common or maybe it's something different, you know, maybe it's POA. I'm just kind of curious, like, what are you always struggling with the most?
2: Well, POA was a big one I already touched on. But a typical year, just because of all the events, would be managing wear. Managing the wear throughout the year to get me to the series in the best possible shape that I can be in. Um, you know, we do play on some sod. I try to minimize that because it's not going to hold up as well. Um, but just watching the wear, try to spread the games out, um, getting the air fire out there, um, poking holes and uh, helping with compaction, but just really kind of having a feel for what's going on. You know, if we got to, you know, move games around, if we got to cancel any games because of rain, just kind of watching it and, and going off a feel of, you know, what they can take and what they can't
0: take. Sure. So, Rob, the thing that we forgot to tell you before we started this program is to end it, we always end with, a, a little, a little game we like to play with our guests called three strikes and you're out. And, um, we're winding down on the time here. So it's time for us to, to throw three random questions at you and, and you give us the answers, um, or your answers. Okay. Nothing, yeah. nothing too hard. i um, I like you. So we'll throw you softballs. Um, you know the guests that come on that have given me grief over my life. I I like to I'd like to give it to them a little bit harder, but yeah, we'll go <laughs> we'll go easy on Rob. Um, so, Rob, um, what is your outside of work, outside of turf grass on the athletic fields at Little League World Series, Little League Inc. What is your favorite pastime? That's an EFIS. That's a softball.
2: <laughs> that's an easy one um i'm an outdoors guy so i like just spending time outdoors i like hunting and uh fishing recently i got um more into archery so i've been archery hunting a lot recently um just like spending time outdoors yeah right, so, so
1: so on that topic though i'm also an archery guy so are you uh would you say you're a matthews a Hoyt, a Bowtech? what are you <laughs> well I got the hat here. So I'm, oh, a-, <laughs> there you go. I'm a fellow is Matthew Matthew's guy myself.
2: I'm a Matthew's guy actually too. I just got in a saddle thing last year. I don't know if you know what that is, but you ditch, ditch your tree stand and the. So, stable. so,
1: so, yeah, so you, I got you're too so, young
0: for, for, I'm too, I'm too old for that. <laughs> okay. So, so I got, I gotta say though, that, um, w- one of his hunting buddies, um, we have been trying to get to the World Series for a couple of years now as a volunteer, um, a guy that he goes out to Wyoming and hunts with um, out there. We've been trying to get him to come as a volunteer. Um, last year, we got pandemic, and this year, we're going to get pandemiced again on him. Um, so we're going to have to wait to meet that guy um, that, that Rob goes out there with his dad to hunt with. All right, so that's strike one. Strike two coming at you. Is if you had to start a secret society of any sort, what would it be? Oh, boy.
2: A secret society. Uh, I don't even know. That's a good one.
1: <laughs> Probably something with your your saddle hunting. I don't know of anything. Yeah, that maybe, exists with maybe, that.
2: maybe saddle hunting. I don't know if that's too secret anymore because that just blew up. I'll go with saddle hunting.
0: That's it. <laughs> All right, um, Tanner, do not, you have one for him today? Uh, uh,
1: yeah, I'll, I'll I have one for you. So I know that you said that you are a baseball person. Is would I assume that you have been to several different stadiums, or maybe even if you haven't, is there one place that you've either been or would like to to go? to watch a baseball game maybe it's a place that you've been and you think that's just the the best place to watch a game besides Williamsport
2: uh I'm a baseball guy I haven't gotten around to too many major league stadiums yet um I'm a Pirates fan so I usually go to a game a year or so one or two games but I'd really like to see Wrigley one day I'd like to check that off the list I like the old-time stadiums check them out kind of see how they're doing things um some of the new ones are really cool too, just see how they're adapting
0: and evolving and changing things. Those those old time stadiums definitely have an era about them, don't they? The the Wrigley's and the old Yankee Stadium and old Tiger Stadium. Um, when I first went into Wrigley, Rob, um, I could I could almost I had to lower my head to get in, and you could almost see guys with their old derby hats on, smoking a big cigar down underneath the stadium. <laughs> Um, it's it's a pretty cool experience so that's strike three on you rob guthrie is our guest today from little league incorporated head sports turf manager of the the stadiums and fields in williamsport pennsylvania Um, rob thanks for being with us today we really appreciate it no problem thanks for having me and tanner as always it's been great having you um, and, and I together, um, this has been a lot of fun today, and I hope that our listeners have learned a little bit from us today. Um, I will remind our listeners that if they have a topic that they would like for us to address, or they have a question for us or one of our, one of our guests, um, we can be reached at our email. It's psu.edu. Again, that's psu.edu questions, topics you'd like for us to address, we'd love to hear from you. Tanner, I'm going to sign off. Um, Again, thanks to all of our listeners for being with us, and we'll look forward to seeing you on the next episode of Fresh Cut Grass.